0: Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and give by clicking the link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message.
1: Only I stay. No.
0: How are you, church? You good? Good. It's good to be with you guys as we continue our series called On the Mark. And we'll get to that in just a second, but first I want to say a uh, special welcome to any of our first-time guests or anybody that I haven't met yet. Uh, My name is David Walters, and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here. I also want to take a second of personal privilege just to say happy Father's Day to all of the dads that are out there, whatever category of dad you are. You're awesome, and I feel like culturally kind of dads are under attack, and so we want to take a second this morning to uh, just lift you up, not because you're perfect, but you have great potential in your life to be just like our heavenly father uh, my father was at the 915 service he's uh, certainly not a perfect father but he is a good good father and um, somebody should write a song about that and uh, anyway yeah and uh, and so and that's that's probably the case with all of you uh, that are dads is that you're not perfect but you have great potential that is inside of you and we're going to learn a little bit more about that potential um, but being under attack there are a couple things that are under attack number one dad bods are under attack um, can't do anything about that uh, but dad jokes are under attack. Um, in today's culture. Have y'all noticed that? Um, These things called dad jokes. My kids remind me that dad jokes uh, rhymes with bad jokes. And then I remind them that dad jokes also rhymes with rad jokes. And then they're like, exactly, dad. Yeah. um, And uh, just prove their point. Anyway, um, so we thought this morning we would kind of reclaim some of that humor that you guys, you dads, y'all know about by having a dad joke competition. Let's take a look. Hey, what fish tastes best with peanut butter? Jellyfish. Did you hear that Arnold Schwarzenegger will be doing a movie about classical music? He'll be bop. What did the excited gardener do when spring finally came? I don't know what. He wet his plants. (laughs) What kind of magic do cows believe in? Moodoo. Why was the broom late for school? It overswept. <laughs> what do young dolphins get from the Boys and Girls Clubs of America? What? A sense of porpoise. <laughs> what do you call a pair of sea dwelling polyps with a love hate relationship? What? Friend and enemies. <laughs> What kind of shoes do frogs wear? I don't know. Open toed shoes. What should you do when your wife tells you to stop impersonating a flamingo? What? You put your foot down. What is a computer's favorite food? Microchips. <laughs> what what does the computer eat microchips with? Gigabytes? Ooh. It sure does. What do you get when you cross a bear with a skunk? Winnie the Pooh.
1: <laughs> What's Beethoven's favorite fruit?
0: Banana. What do you call a guy? With a rubber toe. Roberto. <laughs> Why do Norwegians build their own tables? No Ikea. What do you call a computer that sings? I don't know.
1: Adele.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have you heard the new movie called Constipation? Mm -mm. It's still stuck in production. You know, members of Congress are trying to pass a bill. I don't know why they swallowed it. How much does a pirate pay for corn? I'm a buccaneer! Why do, why do scuba divers fall backwards out of boats? Why? if they fell forwards, they'd still be in the boat.
1: <laughs> What's well, brown and sticky? stick mm. 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 How many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? Uh-huh. Ten tickles. It's good. How does Moses make his coffee?
0: Mm. He brews it. So if you're new to the Vine, welcome to the Vine. That's what we do on Father's Day. Anyway, hey, um, it is great to be with you guys and kind of moving from that into our series. Uh, Today, we're going to pick up kind of where we left off in our series. We're reading through the Gospel of Mark. Um, That is an account of Jesus' life. It's fast-paced. It's moving quickly. It's the shortest of all the Gospels, and it it reminds us that there's this kind of pace to life, um, this race of faith that we need to make sure that we are prepared for. So the series is helping us out with that, and today we're going to learn some secrets about what a relationship with God looks like. How many of you love secrets? You're just like a big secret fan out there? Okay, one. Um, how many of you hate secrets? Okay, a few more. All the rest of you, I don't know where you are in that, but I think, I think most people, we actually love secrets. We actually love secrets. If you were to, to go into Amazon and you were to type in like secrets, 300,000 products would be available for you to purchase, Related to the subject of secrets. That tells me that we're kind of fascinated or we have an, uh, an affinity for um, secrets. Some of those secrets include like secrets about the universe called The Secret. I'm not promoting it, just saying. Uh, there, there is um, armpit hygiene uh, called Secret. And uh, there you can purchase that. You can purchase secrets about the health and beauty tips of the Aztecs apparently wasn't too effective. They're not around anymore, but um, there are secret lives of pets. There's the secret lives of Walter Mitty. I mean, they're All kinds of secrets. There are secrets for sports if you're out there. Um, When I was in high school, my JV basketball coach gave me a book on the secrets of basketball, and uh, it was written by a college coach, and it was filled with all kinds of tips and secrets about how to be a a great basketball player. The last chapter was be six foot four, one of those things that I couldn't do. Um, I I bought Braden, uh, my son, uh, Secrets of Baseball uh, Mindset last year, and he read through that. It just talked about how certain uh, baseball players in the major major leagues who excelled and and went beyond the norm of a baseball player, had all these little secret mindsets that they had. Uh, There are secrets for everything that you can think of. And um, most of us are fascinated by those secrets. One reason that I think people actually love secrets and have affinity for secrets is because if you're ever on the outside looking in, you want to know what that secret is, right? Have you ever seen somebody lean over and whisper in your presence, but they're not whispering to you and you want to know immediately, you want to know what they're talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about. So if you don't have the affinity for it, if just the fact that you despise being on the outside looking in means that you actually like and want To know secrets. Um, How many of you grew up in a home where no secrets were allowed? How many of you parents have like a no secrets allowed rule with your kids? Anybody have that? We, we had that with our kids um, because we, we didn't want them telling secrets to each other that might put them in danger or might not be able to protect them. And everything's great with that rule until you want to surprise your kids. But then your kids use that rule against you when we're leaning in and you're like, you know, you whisper to your spouse and then your kids are like, no secrets. And you're like, it, you know, those rules that kind of get you. Um, and, uh, and we want to know um, what is being talked about. We want to know uh, the posture, what's going on when people posture and they whisper. We want to know what those secrets are. Um, Today, we're going to discover that Jesus has some secrets about what a relationship with God looks like. But he didn't whisper. He doesn't lean into people's ears and whisper them. In fact, sometimes he he proclaims loudly these secrets to thousands of people. In fact, what he wants is for all people to know these secrets— the responsibility is for us to seek them. The responsibility is for us to seek them. And we're going to see that today um, in the Gospel of Mark chapter 4. So if you brought your Bibles or you've got a Bible app, I want to invite you to go with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Um, we're going to discover Jesus' first, um, first teaching under the umbrella of parables. Everybody say parable. A parable is a fictional story with factual statements, a fictional story. So Jesus makes up a story, and it has factual statements. It has teaching about um, the kingdom of God or, or what life looks like when we're in a relationship with God where he sits on the throne of our life. That's what the kingdom of God is. And, and so he teaches these parables um, to kind of get people's attention to, so that they'll kind of lean in and, and maybe even take a step beyond that. And we're going to see his first parable in uh, Mark. Now, we know that Jesus has already taught about the kingdom of God. And at all, of, all four of the gospel uh, accounts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, Jesus starts off and he's just teaching, and he's teaching straight about the kingdom of God. But then he moves almost exclusively to parables and what he defines um, for his followers after he shares this parable that we're going to read today. And they're kind of hanging out going, what in the world does that mean? He actually shares in verse 11 this. He says, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. In other words, what he's saying is, is that kingdom um, secrets are available for all, but they are revelation for those that are seekers, and they are um, concealed for those that are skeptics. So it's, it reveals for those that, That are seekers and it conceals for those that are skeptics. In other words, it requires us to lean in and find out more about what Jesus is talking about. And we'll see that take place in this passage as this is the first time in Mark that Jesus teaches through parables. And he's going to use this kind of made up image and metaphor of a seed. And in fact, he uses it in three different ways throughout this chapter. And so you're going to hear today three secrets about what life in a relationship looks like in our life. And so let's take a look at the first parable that Jesus taught. This is what he says, again, he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into the boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. This was not uh, Jesus getting in a boat so that he could just share the secret with his disciples away from the crowd. What he's actually doing is he's getting out in the boat so that his voice can amplify from the water up the hill so that thousands of people can hear these secrets, but he tells this parable. He was teaching them many things in the parable. In his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, and since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and a hundredfold. And then he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, you've just heard these words. Are you going to process them? The word hear that uh, it comes from a Hebrew word, shema. Everybody say shema. And it could be literally translated to where we go here. It can also be translated into the word obey. For Jesus, they're one and the same. So thousands of people have now heard this parable. But for everyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. For everyone who has heard this, let them obey. How can you obey this parable if you don't know what it means? And if you don't know what it means, will you seek The truth that is available. A truth exists out there if we're willing to seek it. And there can be any category of life that you find yourself in and and some desire that you have on your heart for a deeper truth. And all you've got to say is, what's the secret? And you've probably asked that of somebody in your past before where you say, hey, what's the secret? You know, like for people that I find that have uh, marriages that have endured years and years, circumstances, highs and lows, I'll say, hey, what's the secret? In fact, I ask a marriage counselor that we send people to frequently, what's the secret? And he says four words, four words, I'm sorry. Those are the first two, I'm sorry. And, and that's a pretty good secret. If you can say the words, I'm sorry, you, you're going to go a long way. The other two words are date night. If you can have a date night, those two words, that's going to help you. Uh, money. How how do, uh, when you find people that manage their money uh, in a healthy way and you say, hey, what's the secret? There's a couple of secrets for financial management. Uh, The first one is spend less than you make. I mean, seems pretty simple but not necessarily practice. Spend more than you make. Uh, Another one is invest. Small amounts of time over time yield a great harvest because of the eighth wonder of the world, compounding interest. Um, some would even say, those of faith, they would say, hey, make sure that you bring first and foremost back to God. Uh, You could go to parents and you could say, hey, hey, what's, what's the secret? And they're going to say these four words, unconditional love with boundaries, unconditional love with boundaries. Sometimes you have unconditional love, no boundaries. Sometimes you have all kinds of boundaries, no love. It's unconditional love with boundaries. I mean, you could go through life and you could go, hey, what, what are the secrets, and so when it comes to this, Jesus tells a story. Here's God in the flesh, and he's telling a story, and thousands of people are listening. And, and they have some, he has some disciples that come to him, and they go, hey, okay, what's the secret? What's the secret in that? And then he explains it to them. And it's built around three things, three secrets. The first secret is this. You are responsible for your soul. You're responsible for your soul. In the passage, the soul is represented by soil. Uh, did you notice like, that there were four types of soil in there? Uh, you might have also noticed this if you've got your Bible. That right before the number four, chapter four, there's this editor's mark that says the parable of the sower. How many of you have like the parable of the sower as an editor's comment in there? Oh, you have my permission to draw a line right beside it and to put the parable of the soil. I, I think, I'm not an editor of Bibles, and I wasn't the editor of this Bible, but the editors added this in. I think this is less a parable about the sower than it is a po- parable about the soil. Because you notice what gets the attention in this it's not the sower, the sower is anyone who shares the good seed. The good seed is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, that God came in the flesh, lived a perfect life when the story's complete, died on the cross, came back from the dead three days later, so that anyone who would believe in him would have new, abundant, and eternal life. That's the good news. So anybody who scatters the seed. So for Jesus, Jesus was a sower. He was a sower. He was just throwing the good news out. And the good news that he shared was the kingdom of God was available to everyone. A relationship with God was available to everyone regardless of their religion, regardless of their irreligion, regardless of their sin, their background, their situation. A relationship with God was available. Preachers who share the good news, uh, small group leaders who share the good news. Uh, this, this isn't about them. This isn't about the gospel. The gospel is the same. We can't change the gospel. The gospel is the same and it is good news This isn't about the seed. This is about the soil. And what Jesus says is that you are responsible for the soil. You are responsible for your soul. And and he kind of says that there are about four categories of of states of soil that exist in our lives. And the first one is, is hard soil. It's a hard soul. Maybe somebody has been hurt. Maybe they've been harmed. Maybe they've been hurt and harmed by a human in the name of God or in the name of religion. And what it's done is it's created a soil or a soul that's so hard that when you hear any pastor get up and talk about the good news, it just bounces right off of you because the hurt and the harm that's been done to you. First of all, I want to say, sorry for any human being who has caused harm and hurt in the name of Jesus. Sorry on behalf of any pastor or church that has done that in your life. But you are responsible at this point for the condition of your soul. You're responsible. He says that there's a second type of soul. It's a shallow soul. It's a shallow soil because it's got rocks in there, and it, and it prevents the, the deepening of roots deep into the ground where we can receive the nourishment that we need to be able to grow strong and we need to, to be able to grow um, fruitful. And so when, when it sprouts up quickly, maybe because of like an emotional high in a church service or a revival service or, or the effectiveness of a communicator who just laid it out there brilliantly and then walked you step by step about praying a prayer, walking an aisle, Maybe getting baptized, you, you receive it quickly, but then there was nothing that came from that. There was no deep-rootedness that came from that. And, and so the sun comes up, or situations come up, or circumstances come up, and you just that faith just withered away. Um, this past fall, there was a hurricane that came through Georgia, if you don't remember, or, or the remnants of Irma that came through. And it, it wreaked havoc on our property. Um, we've got a few acres of land um, down here in Metro Brazelton, otherwise known as Winder. And um, and we've got some huge trees on our property. We also have a lot of rock on our property. And Irma knocked one of our trees just down. I, I was in the house and I heard this like sound I'd never heard before. And it was a whole tree. I mean, we're talking about an oak tree that is it's wider than I have like arm width for. And it falls down. And you can see that the root ball on that is pretty massive Uh, but you can also see which is really dangerous in perspective Braden's right underneath it that is actually some slate rock that's above him not the best moment in parenting um, just to get a perspective of this and what we started to discover is that embedded in that root bed were all these huge pieces of slate rock and that this root ball though it was large it was really wide but there was no depth to it and the reason there was no depth to it is because it couldn't penetrate through the rock so what happens when a hurricane that has withered away and and just has a remnant left comes through winder georgia well it knocks down the tree that doesn't have a deep root system that's what jesus is talking about where where we have these emotional moments or maybe we come for our one-time fix on sundays But there's no rootedness monday through saturday we come and we get our fix in worship but there's no discipline of prayer bible study there's no activity in service and in small group. And what happens is that when circumstances or situations come up, we just wither away or we get knocked over. You are. We are. We are responsible for the state of our soil. Jesus tells about a third state of the soil. It's one that's cluttered. It's cluttered soil. It's cluttered because in addition to the gospel that we have in our life, we've let sin Take place in our life. We've received the word, but then we failed to weed out the things that are in opposition to God's character and God's calling in our life. We call that sin, and it t- typically happens in a, in a subtle way. So we'll, we'll let our guard down for a moment. We'll we'll choose to sin, and and instead of confessing and and repenting from that, we. We allow that to kind of snowball into a bigger moment or a more frequent moment, and it just continues and continues and continues until now, all of a sudden, we can't tell the word from the weeds. And what God wants to do in our life through the good news, it's weeded out through this thing called sin. You and I, we are responsible for the state of our soul. And then Jesus talks about a fourth soil, and this is the soil that we all strive for, and this is the soil that, that God desires for all of us, is that that relationship with God would actually produce fruit in our lives, 30, 60, 100-fold, which is, is really just kind of amazing to think about, the fact that God could do something um, exponentially impactful in our lives. And that comes through um, not hard soil, but receptive soil, where we are constantly in a state of saying, hey, you know what? I never graduate from the good news. I never graduate from grace. I'm constantly in a state of grace. God's justifying grace or God's sanctifying grace where God makes me right with him and then I grow in a relationship with him. Where you're actively engaged in tilling up the soil of your soul through prayer, Bible study, fasting, service, community, you name it. There are all kinds of spiritual disciplines. And then where we recognize that just the littlest sin could do major damage in our life. And we just have a mindset where we're going to kill sin before it kills us. And we're going to do that through constant confession and through rapid repentance. And when that takes place, it will produce fruit in your life. 30, 60, 100 fold. And that leads us to the second secret about a relationship with God. It's that while you're responsible for the soil of your soul, God is responsible for the seed. While you're responsible for the soil of your soul, God is responsible for the seed. In fact, in the crafting of the seed, He has given the seed everything that the seed needs to grow and fulfill its purpose when it is surrounded by the right kind of soil. This is the way Jesus puts it. Uh, If you go down to, to verse 26, And he, that's Jesus, said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain of ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts the sickle, because the harvest has come. He points out, Jesus points out that, that God is responsible for the seed. God has given the gospel all the power that it needs to do what the gospel is supposed to do, which is to grow in you sometimes in ways that you don't even understand. Just like when you put a seed in the ground, you cover it up, put some water on it, some fertilizer on it, and all of a sudden it pops up. And you're like, I don't know how I did that. Like I remember in elementary school, those science projects where you put the bean seed in there and then the bean spe- like sprouts up and you're like, that's great, I still don't know. I mean, like I know that that works. I just don't know how that happens. It's the way God designed it. And God has given the seed everything that it needs. God has given the good news everything that it needs To produce, you might not know it. In in the way, have you ever noticed that there was a change that has taken place in your life, but you're not sure how it happened or when it happened? You just know that happened? Or maybe you've noticed that in someone else. And you're like, "I, I don't know what happened, but something happened. You're different. Or maybe somebody's noticed that in you. Hey, what happened? You're different. That's the work of the gospel. That's the power of the seed that God created and has given everything it needs to grow in your life and to bring about change and transformation for the harvest, for fruit. Notice the end result of both of these parables so far. It's for harvest. It's for fruit. This is what happens in your life. Um, a little bit later on in in Christianity, so this was you know before the church was kind of birth well later on there's a book called first Corinthians it's actually a letter that a guy named Paul wrote back to um, some Christians in this area who were having a debate, like a ministry debate and and the debate was who which minister was was most impactful in their congregation have you have you ever heard people like debate about like who's a better minister or who's a better preacher or who's a better communicator. And, and this is what Paul says. Paul says, hey guys, here's the deal. I watered, there's this guy named Apollos, which is a great name for a pastor. In fact, I think I might change my name to Pastor Apollos. Apollos, like I planted, he watered, sorry. I planted, he watered, God grew. Did you get that? I planted, he watered. God grew. Who gets credit? Who gets glory? God, God, God. Because only God can grow. We can create the conditions for which it grows, but only God can grow it in us. So only God gets the glory in it. That's the second secret. And the third and the final secret about the kingdom is that the impact of a seed is greater than the investment in the seed. The impact of the seed is greater than the investment in a seed. We see that through Jesus talking about this thing called a mustard seed. And he says, "Hey, you guys remember the mustard seed? The kingdom of God is like that mustard seed. Mustard seed is the tiniest of seeds and yet it produces the largest of trees. The tiniest of seeds, the largest of trees, and even a tree that others benefit from, other creatures benefit from. And he says that the kingdom of God is like that in us, that you can take something small and you can make a small investment in that and God can do something great from it. Um, I already mentioned the property that we moved to about a year and a half ago. And um, when we when we moved in, one of the selling points for the home was that there, there were probably... Um, like, over 30 fruit trees that were on the property. And we were like, oh, this is great, self-sufficiency. Well, I mean, you know, the trees actually have to produce fruit for you to enjoy them. Um, and last summer, we we got, like, zero fruit from them, zero fruit. So which probably tells me this was, like, year number two, because all of a sudden in year number three, this year, we walk outside and it's like plums, pears, apples, they're everywhere. You know, it's like, it was great. And uh, so year three, um, and we... Like, all we did was just a little bit of water, a little bit of, like, natural, all-natural bug repellent, and, and, and they're plentiful. God did that. We didn't do that. Just a little bit of investment, and there's this huge, like, produce section in my backyard. And, and, and that's the impact that just a little bit of an investment can make, where you take a seed put it in the ground, you grow that, maybe it grows a little bit, and then that's sold, and, and you put that into some more ground, and you fertilize that, and you water that, you create the condition for it, you put some bug repellent on there, and there's this huge harvest that is available. But I don't think that's really what Jesus was talking about. I mean, I do, but I think it's even greater than that. Because um, as we take a look at every one of those pieces of fruit that comes off of there, there's another seed within it. And some of those fruit actually have more than one seed in it. Have you ever noticed when you bite into an apple, there's more than one seed in there? So, like, the impact is that the fruit, it feeds you or it feeds someone else. But then within it, and if processes were to happen naturally, that then seed would then be placed in an environment that could then grow. And how many of those seeds exa- exist in one of those pieces of fruit? You see, the impact of the gospel in the right soil of our soul is exponential. It's not incremental where it's just like one, it's exponential where it's 30, it's 60, it's a hundredfold. I was talking with um, Pete Greenwald. He is one of the missionaries that our church has supported over the past um, few years. He was serving, he and his wife were serving in Southeast Asia. And um, in the countries that they served in over their uh, few years down there, um, those countries were. Um, it was illegal to share the good news of Jesus Christ there and to bring anybody to faith. So they, they had to be very careful about the way they did that. They had to be very careful about um, where they went, what they said. And he was telling me the story, um, story of a wealthy couple and specifically the, the wife who wanted to start a school in every village that she could fund in her life. And he said it started with one, and it was kind of a way for them to, through love, through kindness, through education, to to be an opportunity for them to share the good news of Jesus Christ. But what Pete was telling me was the impact that they had, because we think of that and we do the math and we go, okay, that's that's one school in one village, but it's one school that serves all of the children in the village. All of the children in the village who will be educated at a level they have never been educated before that could bring about social, structural, systematic change in their country and then also receive the good news of Jesus who at some point are going to go out maybe into other villages, maybe into other countries impacting the world for the kingdom of God. And it's not just one village that they're in but they're in multiple villages and they're going to keep going into villages all the time. It's exponentially increasing by all of the children that are in those schools and all of those children that receive the good news of Jesus Christ. I was thinking about our Camp Kid Jam leaders uh, during our offering. Pedro got up and he said that there were six adults um, that took 32 children off to a camp. They were gone for three full days, 72 hours. Um, on Friday when they came back, I was talking with some of the guys who helped me take um the vehicles back that they had rented to go. Um, I was voluntold to do that. Uh, the other two were volunteers and we were sitting there talking and I go, hey guys, um, with two of my kids being there this week, I want to thank you for directly investing into their life over over this week. Uh, your your difference extends beyond this week and will extend into all of eternity, the difference that you made. And then, I, and then I also framed it this way. I was like, it's much greater than um, just those three days. It's, it's everything together combined by all of those kids. And, and here's how God's math works, okay? Six leaders times 72 hours equals 432 hours of ministry combined into the life of those kids. That 432 times 32 kids is 13,824. That's the economy that God operates in. That's the potential that every one of you has to make an exponential difference for the kingdom of God if you will just create an environment for the gospel to do what the gospel does, which is grows us and transforms us to where we produce a harvest 30, 60, 100, 13,824 fold. You're responsible for the soul. He's responsible for the seed. And he will do great things if you will allow him to. So this morning, he and she who has ears to hear, let him or her hear. Don't just listen, but obey.